This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail Cheaters, welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Josh, welcome to the first episode of Always Cheating in the post-Mezit Ozil Premier League era. <laughs> yeah. It's it's changed. I can't, I don't know yeah. if you can sense it, but I sense it. Everything yeah. has changed today. Yeah, shifting in the force. Yeah, uh, I, I do. Yeah. The, uh, the nexus of power uh, of uh, European <laughs> football right. has moved to... to to Fenerbahce, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this week uh, we've got a we've got yet another deadline. It's like all we do anymore, Josh, is just talk about COVID and game week <laughs> deadlines. We've got a game week deadline for game week twenty on Tuesday. Time is precious, yeah. but we have been we've basically been dealing with game week nineteen for <laughs> what feels like forever yeah. now. So yeah, uh, should Can we just believe- like put, put a little bu- button on that? Yeah, let's put a little button on that and and just, you know, in line with that, like, can you believe that the season's only halfway done? Like halfway, for some, like, yeah, it's crazy. For, some teams haven't even played their 18th or 19th fixture. So yeah, it's like, <laughs> like as far as FPL is concerned, it's halfway through, but some of these yeah. teams aren't even close to being halfway through yet, which yeah. is, it, it boggles the mind. January is almost over. This is a great season for endurance, Brandon. I think that by the end, it's just going to be, the people listening to this podcast would be the last people still <laughs> playing fantasy. It's a, it's a, you yeah. know, I, although I will say there's nothing like a massive double game week, a double game week that really delivers to get people excited again, to get people checked in to get people focused yes. on the second half of the season. Uh, you had one of those. I did. Yeah. That, you know, let's, let's about that said the better. Let's talk about your game week. You, you bench boosted. You talked about a little bit on last week's pod. So, you know, we don't need to go through the whole thing again, but uh, it sort of just went from from strength to strength for you. Right. Yeah, it did. And I I really, really, really did need a big week because 
my season has just kind of been, even though I've been hitting green arrows, I was waiting for some sort of transformational week and game week 19 was that played the bench boost. And ultimately what got me there was this realization of Edward Mendy was my GK and he was doing nothing for me. I needed to get rid of him. So with the mind of just holding on to Mendy for game week 19 and him soon being gone, I could stomach putting him on the bench and spending minus four to get Ederson in my goal. And that was really what flipped that bench boost switch for me. So I think Mm -hmm. if my big takeaway from game week 19 was anything, it's just how goalkeepers are kind of overlooked or seen as a nuisance when it comes to the bench boost chip. And between Mendy and Ederson, that's 21 points. And it was huge. And I think, uh, let's see, if you tabulate everyone on my bench, it's 28 points with a minus four. So net 24 from a bench boost, total points, 133. I broke into the top 500K overall. So I was just kind of like, stuck in the doldrums of million million ranks for quite a long time and now i'm right back there in reach of the big dogs very close in that villa newcastle match to breaking into the top 400k but there are bigger things to come for me josh i know (laughs) that's right from uh 3.6 million overall in game week eight uh, and that, that would not have been a good season for you, right? If you finished 3.6 million, you would not have been happy. <laughs> fair uh, to say. Fair, yeah, to, fair, say, yeah. fair to say. So from 3.6 million in game week eight to 403,000 uh, overall. So yeah, I mean, that's 3.2 million managers that you've, that you've leaped over. And even if, even if Brandon, we say that, you know, uh, a million of those, a, a full million have, yeah. have given up that the season's just been too messy too crazy there are still 2.2 million of those managers brandon that are trying their best and you leapfrogged 2.2 million (laughs) of them so congrats to you uh that's yeah we talked about a little on last week's podcast so um and then you know bringing in you know watkins and target um you know on on saturday really came through as well yeah i i was kicking myself certainly not jumping on the antonio train because yeah. I went Watkins over Antonio and I got cold feet about Antonio's injury past and all of that. Though mm-hmm. you could clearly see West Ham's fixtures were terrific. So Watkins getting just the return that he got, six points, you know, we'll take it against Newcastle was yeah. was food for me. I, and and Matt Target, hilarious. Like everyone was kind of freaking out ahead of the game week 19 deadline that snoops out there in the FPL uh, dark alleyways found Matt Target's own FPL team and saw that he had transferred himself out right. to bring in Andy <laughs> Robertson. So everyone right. was like, well, Target definitely has COVID or he knows something that we don't. And uh, here he is with 18 yeah. points. So the it's egg is on he... your face, Matt Target, your face. <laughs> hey, listen, it's possible he did have it for the record. <laughs> True. And, yeah. And he like, like the movie rookie of the year, Brandon, he emerged stronger uh, yeah. for it. You know, it's uh, somehow he fused that when you know what happened, rookie of the year, he fuses his forearm and suddenly he can throw those balls really fast. Was this? did it? It wasn't magic shoes or something like that. I, I'm thinking of either little big league or rookie of the year. The two, they came up very close to each other. It sounds more like RoboCop to me, the way you're talking about things being <laughs> fused to people's arms. I, I don't know, but yeah. Matt, Matt target certainly doesn't look like he's capable of, uh, 
yeah. shaking down some some creeps on the streets of Detroit. Now, 18 points uh, for him in the game. He ended up being my high scorer uh, in the game week. And, you know, for me, uh, I mean, I finished on 89 and it was it was looking much worse going into that match. I had uh, but, you know, Martinez target and Watkins uh, all came through, uh, picked up 24 points from that final match. And um, it, it was a uh, really less than ideal game week for me. Uh, just lots of. 50-50 calls, at least 50-50 in my head yeah. that went wrong. Um, going Vardy over Antonio, which now is sort of compounded by Vardy being injured. Um, and and then not getting a Man City defender, which I just kind of um, – I, I just gambled that uh, that they would only keep one clean sheet, that even if John Stones uh, played – like my, yeah. my, th- my thinking was like if John Stones plays twice, uh, you know, he's not – but he is not traditionally until this game week uh, been a goal threat virtually ever for Man City. And so I'm thinking, all right, you know, they're going to score some goals in these matches. Uh, he's probably going to be on, you know, six points in one. And let's say they they just concede a goal in one of those matches. He was on eight total uh, to bring him in after burn four. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a four point return from him. And I also yeah. would have had to bench someone like Patrick Bamford to do it. And I thought, well, I'll just gamble that Bamford can score and roughly equal what I would get for someone like John Stones if I, you know, brought him in on sure. it. So, you know, and so of course Bamford blanks and John Stones ends up with like 72 points in the game week or whatever. Let, let, let me tell you this. I'm looking yeah. at my my great game week score. I'm gonna mm-hmm. run run through some player scores. I've got one player with 12 points, 18 points, another 18 points, 13 points, 14 points. <laughs> Those are all defenders and one goalkeeper. Not a single midfielder or forward for me got into the double digits. It was a spectacular week for defenders. And it really was. It's 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 one that like particularly for more aggressive managers like yourself, Josh, you just you it it's the last place you tend to want to put your faith. Yeah. And it's just interesting. I mean, I have this this opening topic here, which I'm just going to pull up. And I, I do want to do the top 10 for the Austrian Super League in a second because we haven't done that in a while. Uh, but just, you know, did anything that happened in Game Week 19 change your thinking about this season? Now, there's a couple of different ways you can take that question. But do you feel like we learned anything about the Premier League season based on these matches, based on the last couple of you know, 18 and 19, you can group them both together. Maybe like, did we learn anything about the squads or players that we want or don't want? I mean, what, you know, do you feel like you learned anything uh, from those matches? Well, I think the, the, it was a, a prevailing opinion going into the game week, but 19, 100% solidified the fact that Manchester city have an elite world-class defense on their yeah. hands suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, take John Stone's goals away from him. Still, he yep. and Ruben Diaz in the center of that defense are just elite at this point. And maybe you're rotating the fullbacks, but still, uh, City look like they're going to walk the league at this point. And we have to talk well, quite a quite Man's, a bit about Man Kevin. United, Ke- Man United may beg to differ, but you know. Okay, yeah, and and that's fine, and that's yeah. fine, and and I don't mean to throw shade at Manchester United, but I I do think that the odds are, um, uh, three three months from now you'll be looking at City with probably something like a ten point lead, and you know we're gonna have to talk a little bit about Kevin De Bruyne and what his injury, how how that will impact things going forward. But if yeah. game week nineteen will be remembered, it's that the defenses in the Premier League are really coming together and coming into their own yeah. and 
I, I guess this is you see this in most seasons where teams just have kind of been found out and mm. they get a little more touchy. Like, where are the seven goal matches that we were used to seeing uh, in the first 10 to 15 game weeks? They're not happening anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, the games are getting tighter. The defenses are getting better. The goal scorers are having to capitalize to uh, an even greater degree just to get those returns. I'm totally with you in the Man City question. I mean, if that were, if you had asked me this question, that would have been uh, my answer. And just to, just to throw one other thing in there, um, I think that I have this game week and the way it worked out has maybe opened me up to be a little more open to hits this season, at least. Um, I feel like there's something about this these matches that are played uh, without any fans that just it just leads to some some really hot, like just a massive returns from players. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, it's, I can't remember ever seeing a season where you were just consistently getting these like 10 to 20 point returns from, from various players. You know, I mean, even if stones doesn't get the clean sheet in the, the second match they play, it would have been on 21 points. You know I mean? It's just, it feels like Grealish has had a couple like that. Sun certainly has. It's just, you know, it feels like there's something about the upside that you might mm-hmm. get from being a little more aggressive this season and, yeah. and risking a player, even a defender um, or an attacker for that. It just, you know, any like aggression with your transfers, aggressive aggression with your four point hits does seem to be paying off this year. And uh, I don't know that I have like a specific player that I can like point to is like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of target them moving forward. Um, but it does feel like there's, there's like when a team gets hot right now, it seems like they, get really molten hot, you know, and Leicester city being a great example of that. Right. Yeah. And there's something about, uh, um, you know, and maybe that like those hot streaks would, would end more quickly if there were fans in the stands and suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, man city goes away to Norwich and just loses three, two kind of flukily. Right. Cause mm-hmm. like the, you know, it's a bit like that Fulham Liverpool match, right. The, the one, I think it might've been like the final, one of the final matches where there were fans in the stands this season. Um, and you know, just that, like the, the fans willed Fulham to a point in that match. Yeah, right. Right. And it kind of ended Liverpool's hot streak. I mean, I guess they had that crystal palace match after that, but it felt like Liverpool were kind of rolling. And then that Fulham match just sort of, you know, mess with their confidence or something a little bit. It may have, you just got me thinking about the difference between having fans in the stands and having Timu Puki on your team. So Man City versus no. Norwich, uh, you know, I, I don't think we have the full science there on whether it's Pookie or the fans. Uh, we need more. We need more data. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll crunch the numbers of some of our more static client people and they'll, they'll solve the Pookie versus people debate uh, <laughs> once and for all. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so always treating Super League. Uh, I'll read off the top 10 here. Go for uh, yeah, we've got uh, a... <laughs> This is a Russian name that I properly can't pronounce, Brandon. Um, I want you to try. Yeah. Uh, Hukana Yayapen. Hukana Yayapen. Uh, I'm not even sure if those letters are in English, to be to be quite honest with you, Brandon. So I'm not, I really don't want to be offensive. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it so. there is definitely a Russian alphabet situation yeah. happening here. And <laughs> you know what? People want to kill us for our pronunciations, but just like whole different alphabets you got to cut us some slack on that. Yeah, especially one. the Russian alphabet, which looks like English. Um, Kula's son, uh, Edie Marzuk in ninth, Matt Hammond in eighth, 
Uh, Heinrich Vickman in seventh, Neil Head in sixth, Wallace Clark in fifth, uh, Joachim DeLong in fourth, Tomas Wigren in third, Daniel Magari in second, and Matt Carvel. Nice, yeah. simple name, Matt Easy. Carvel. Okay. <laughs> no no with, diacritic yeah, marks happening yeah. at all in Can Matt's sell- name. Cancelo Culture uh, in, uh, in, is in first place overall. Uh, 1,322 points for Matt Carvel. Uh, I'm, seems... I'm looking at his team right yeah. now, and he's his OR is 70. Matt is 70 in the world right now, Not which bad. is incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's better than us. Uh, so congrats to Matt. Uh, Brennan, just while we're doing it, a uh, quick shout out to our uh, our patrons. Uh, we yeah. have some new, new patrons this week. Uh, Luke Meyer, Magnus Heinrichsen, Chell, and uh, Phil Morgan. Uh, thank you to our newest Patreon supporters. Thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. And thank you to everyone who listened to this week's Kitchen Table podcast and had to hear me just go on. Like I haven't <laughs> done a classic Josh rant on this week's po- like on the the main feed podcast in a while, yeah. but if you want like the straight uncut like, s- uncut self-pity, you know, that really that's that's where you're going to go for that. It's uh, like it was, the yeah, always cheating Snyder cut that was happening <laughs> yeah, on it. Exactly. But, uh, but it was it was it was <laughs> Josh yeah. it was Josh pre getting his 24 points from Aston Villa yeah. Newcastle and, no, and now things how, are things are how, fine. So it always works with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm 57k overall, or I guess I'm 58k. I I was at 33k going into game week 19. I, I dropped back to 58k. I really can't be complaining too much. I mean, especially given given all these scores that are in the hundreds. Um, nine out of ten people in the in the top ten in this in the in the league were in the um were in that were in the hundred scores, and I didn't burn a chip. So I yeah. still have my triple captain, wild card, and bench boost left to play just the way my team was set up. It didn't make sense to use any of those chips. And I didn't feel good about the triple captain because I just didn't know how to throw it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, um... So anyway, uh, th- and Brandon, do you want to say just a quick thing about why people should become a Patreon supporter? Oh, 100%. Yeah. If you just like what you hear from us week to week on the free pod and you want more FPL content, you want more FPL pods, just like you're saying, Josh, we do a second podcast every week for our Patreon supporters. You also get access to our Slack where you can have conversations with us and hundreds of other really great fantasy managers, whether it's about fantasy, movies, TV, cheese, uh, whatnot. Also, at the higher tiers, you can get swag like our Make Fantasy Fun Again t-shirt. So to get more information, visit us at patreon.com slash always cheating. There's a tier that's right for you. Yeah. And thank you to FPL Ant on the Always Cheating Slack, who... 
basically laid out what a wild card would look like for me, like move by move uh, across the board. It was it was quite impressive, actually. And it was like, wow, like this is some some really thoughtful stuff happening in our Slack, Brandon. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not I'm not even necessarily thinking about a wild card, especially with the Tuesday turnaround here. But uh, I liked the um, I like the energy and the approach. So uh, the patreon.com slash always change where you can go. It's I think it's really the nicest community as well in fantasy. I love Very being nice, on there. Everyone's, yeah. everyone's great. So uh, all right, we'll take a quick break and we're going to talk about game week 20. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness? or preventing you from achieving your goals? Maybe your fantasy team is distracting you from other important parts of your life. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, expertise that may not be locally available in many areas. And BetterHelp is worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor and you'll get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp.com slash cheating. That's Better H-E-L-P. And join the more than 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And here's a special offer for always cheating listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com dot com slash cheating. All right, Brian, we're back. Game week 20 kicks off on Tuesday. Uh, we have some games on at the same time this week, Brian. You know, I love a yeah. game on at the same time. I know. We Even though we don't get the NBC goal rush anymore, which was great, where you do like the... Uh, what do you call it? What's the broadcast one. term? Yeah, you're just like switching from match to match depending on where the action yeah, is. Yeah, whatever that's called. It's like, it's like um, uh, what red zone, right? That's what mm-hmm. they call the NFL version of it here. Yeah, but it but it's it's going to be awesome. I mean, we're just basically clearing fixtures off of the Premier League schedule. It's like um, sometimes my boss will say to me, you know, like it's like, this is just it's an assembly line. Like, don't sometimes you don't have to worry too much about the quality. Let's just get it done. The yep. Premier League is just getting it done right now, yeah. regardless of the quality. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. They're putting in a shift. You know, yeah. they really are. <laughs> um, I cannot believe how many matches are coming up. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I, I believe, I, I think Friday is a, a short break. Uh, I'm, 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 sorry, I'm going to quickly go to my calendar here. Yeah, so Pull it quick, up. Yep. quick break on Friday. And then we've got matches on Saturday and Sunday. And that, we may actually see the return of the goal rush, Brandon, because I think there's, there's three matches on at the same time on Saturday. And then, uh, and then again, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we have another set of matches. Uh, that's February 2nd to the 4th. And then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we have yet another set of matches. So 
we were just talking about how we are we are only you know halfway through the season. We're going to be two thirds of the way through the season very quickly. Yeah, right. Like with, within you know uh, just a just a month or so, it's we're really going to blast through these fixtures. So um, I think I think uh, it's there's a lot of edge to be gained here for people who are paying a lot of attention. Certainly, yeah. Um, yeah. I also think that um, it. In some ways, um, it'll be like the summer a little bit where you have matches on all the time. And so I, the one thing I really remember from the summer is I felt like I was really um, sweating the results too much. Uh, and there was just there were so many matches on. And it was like I was, it was too emotional. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, you know, if you're if you're if you take this game a little too seriously. And one thing we actually talked about on this week's uh, Kitchen Table Pod is like. Why wouldn't you take it seriously? Like, what else are you doing with your time? Most of you out there, you know, myself included. Yeah. Like, how can you? It's hard not to right now. There's not a lot going on. Uh, I can't like go to like a bar and and catch up with old friends, right? So, yeah. like, of course, I'm going to spend more time tinkering with my you know game week twenty team or whatever. Um, but yeah, if you can you know, keep the emotions in check, because if you have a bad day or a bad game week, uh, the next one's going to kick off like 48 hours later. So yeah, you know, yeah. there's always a chance to redeem yourself. S- so I'm looking at the fixtures here for game week 20 and three fixtures jump out at me. The first one is the last fixture, which is Spurs Liverpool. And that feels bad for FPL, mostly because I can't predict what's going to happen in that match. And that's totally. generally not a good thing for fantasy. The other two are the Manchester clubs, Man City away West Brom on Tuesday and on Wednesday. It's Manchester United hosting Sheffield United. So those are the complete opposite of Spurs Liverpool. You can predict that city wins city beats the crap out of West Brom and that Manchester United beats the crap out of uh, Sheffield United. However, I've got a situation. We don't know who the attacking assets are for Manchester city that we want. So is it all about their defense? And would you go so far as to captain captain, Mr. John stones? Um, but it's going to basically be we're leading yeah. all fantasy managers toward Bruno Fernandez this week, it seems. Yeah. I mean, captain wise, I think if you're a, um, a conventional manager or having a reasonably good season or like there's a certain kind of manager out there and, you know, who just wants to be different. Right. And just the like the very act of someone being the most popular manager means that they don't want to go with them. I mean, I sort of had yeah. this compulsion myself right i mean it's like most Salah scores a brace today i'm like mm, maybe Salah away, <laughs> away to spurs but i think yeah i mean bruno was just rested sheffield united are not good um sheffield united have, have some teams have struggled to play at sheffield united but i think man united at home given their incredible form given how uh how poor sheffield united are um i you know and, and how poor ramsdale is for that matter um yeah. i think that uh yeah i think bruno is the obvious pick the one thing about man united and um this sort of gets right into the the first uh, well was, actually yeah the, okay let, let's let's rattle off a question here brandon okay Some, let's riff away man let's go for it andrew Cyril says last year you talked about players being swords and shields and this is a, a shout out to uh this guy racer five on twitter who had this sort of popular idea about the sword pick and the shield pick the shield pick is the highly owned player that you have to uh, basically like protect your rank right yeah. because they're yep. you know they're if they go off and you don't have them it can really hurt you and sure. these the sword pick is the pick that you need um to make sure that you can stand out a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. um, everyone, you, you, you know, the the highly owned players tend to be pretty expensive. So you know, you need to find some some spots, you know, where mm-hmm. you can um, sort of have have some players who will who will help you pick up some ground. Um, so Andrew Searles says, um, maybe it's just my mini league, but it feels very hard to find a good sword type this season um, with the pool of premiums who are actually performing so small. 
how are we supposed to gain ground on the league leaders? Uh, this is such a good question. I agree, Andrew. The 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 premium players, like with the drought that Salah is in at the moment, with KDB injured, Aubameyang's not performing, Vardy is now injured, Kane and Son are at least around that fifty percent ownership uh, mark. So they are more more shields than anything else. So this is something that I think you've been especially good at this season, Josh. Is where do you put the captaincy? And is this season, your, oh, as far as swords and shields are concerned, less about players and more about strategy being yeah. captaincy and chip play? So I, I think that is something that we can think about, particularly in a week like this where you're saying, well, the obvious armband is Bruno Fernandez. That's an opportunity for you to use your captaincy as a sword and maybe yeah. go for... Patrick Bamford uh, or Mikel Antonio, something like that. Yeah. I think you really have to pick your spots with the captaincy. I I wouldn't, I I think going without a a rested Bruno is, is a, is a tricky one. Um, I think it's, it is tricky with players and, you know, I mean, okay. I have two, I have two thoughts here and they're not even about specifically about players themselves, but the first thought is that, I think that I have been a little stubborn about formations this season. And I think that, you know, Brandon, you were just talking about how it was the defense that really came through for you in, in game week uh, 19. And I think that I am ready to start. I'm ready to start considering (laughs) thinking about being more serious about a four, four, two. We accept you, Josh. We accept exactly Uh, a four or a four, three, three, possibly. Um, a lot of us have Suchek in our team. He's kind of a nice rotating um, midfielder. I don't think you need to necessarily start Suchek every match, though. So um, a four-three-three or a four-four-two is something that we talked a lot about at the start of the season, and then the defense was pretty disappointing at the start of the year, kind of across the board. Totally. But but I think the combination of Man City do looking so good right now that it really does seem to make a lot of sense to just have Diaz and Stones. Right. And just start yeah. them every week. Yeah. Um, it makes sense to have those two, but there are so many other viable uh, defenders out there that are, that are worth considering. I mean, you know, both of us have them on our team I and mean, man target. I mean, Aston Villa are keeping clean sheets against, yeah. you know, a- every team that's like 10th place or down cannot score on them. Right. They are just like shutting down every squad they play that is not like that does not have like a world class defender. Even Man City at Man City, they really acquitted themselves well until like the 75th minute or something. Sure. Barring a a Tyrone Mings uh, blunder. And, you know, I understand there are people are divided between that offside call that where uh, Mings got tackled. But Emmy Martinez is, yeah, like the most informed goalkeeper in the league has been all season. And Matt Target. He was in beast mode against Newcastle. He was incredible. So I totally agree. Like Villa's defense is legit. And then on top of that, West Ham, it's it's like there are West Ham, their defense is compelling. And then you get into this territory of, yeah, but the price. So there's so many different ways to spend in your defense. And I think there are some really good cheap teams like West Ham that allow you to get really creative all in all other areas of your team. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of good, cheap assets. Uh, I mean, yeah. Leeds, 
Leeds, Aston Villa, West Ham, like those those alone, right? You could just sort of load up your midfield and, and yeah, Tariq Mitchell players. too. I mean, Palace right. they struggle against the really top opposition. I think they've looked defensively a bit more solid since Mitchell got back into the lineup. Shock and surprise. Right, um, right. Um, but there you go. He's, is he still 3.9? Just incredibly cheap for um, for a solid defense with a good fixture. So I think that formation is one thing to think about. I think the other thing to think about is um, is, is just like a, a, mental, a mental game you've got to play, which is um, the whole, I mean, like, a sword, like a, you know, I don't mean to like, every time we do the sword and shield thing, I like start mm-hmm. to belabor it to the point where it like, like loses all comprehension. But basically a sword turns into a shield very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Patrick Bamford, when I brought him, when I bought him in was a sword for about four weeks. Right. And then sort of in my like ranking tier, he was suddenly like 85% out. Right. Mm-hmm. So the whole way to think about it is not who is no one thinking about it's you know who is out there that is going to be highly owned soon and can i get to them first and yeah. maybe that's like easy to say but i actually think it's not it, it it's like a thing that can be done and i think that people who are really good at fantasy consistently are really good at that at like sort of assessing who like the breakout players are and how about and, this yeah. what if we instead of it instead of it being a sword it's like the um the battle royale scenario is this how it works in uh the hunger games or there are movies battle where people royale. get dr- dropped yeah. into the middle of nowhere and there's right. a pile of weapons in the middle of the open field and yeah. you just have to run to the pile of weapons that's kind of what a sword <laughs> pick is in a way you have to be yeah. the first one to get to the crossbow and yeah. shoot your opponents with it and then you have to quickly move on to plan b because somebody else got yeah you know what the other weapon so yeah i feel like in battle royale it's really skewed it's like one person gets like a gun and then one person gets like a stick you know it's really it's pretty it's pretty unfair (laughs) yeah yeah so there are degrees of of swords here i think is what we're saying there yeah yeah, there there are all right so next question is from savage fpl he says i have vardy and kdb so help basically (laughs) i do too brandon and so i have i have vardy i have kdb I have Charlie Taylor, who's who's uh, battling an injury, but I probably wouldn't have started him anyway. Um, and I don't have a Man City defender, so I have what to what, and I have one transfer. So I, I feel like what I have is I have three problems to solve with one transfer. And <laughs> the question is, uh, can some of those problems be solved later? And you know, I wish that 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 Liverpool and Spurs weren't playing each other this week because it would make it very easy. In you my, just go Son and Kane. I just go Son and Kane. Uh, I mean, I might go Gundogan and Kane, but even even still, like taking Kane for a hit, I mean, I don't know. Liverpool just conceded three goals. I mean, what is going on with them? It's like... <laughs> we I, I, Unclear. Unclear, yeah. Josh. We are not going to solve that no, mystery. No, exactly. Yeah, we got a question from our friend Eric Freeman about that. He's like, can you... Can you like, is there like a way to figure out what's happening with Liverpool? And I mean, the answer is no. It's, I mean, like, you know, Jonathan Wilson, the, the best minds in football, Brandon, <laughs> are, are trying to tackle this problem yeah. uh, each week in articles on podcasts. I mean, it's, it's a very tricky thing to answer. It's like, and, I'm here yeah. for the argument that it's them missing Virgil van Dyke and it's a trickle, trickle down thing, but sure. you can point to numerous matches this season where they have annihilated opposition scoring, yeah. you know, upwards of seven goals. So, um, while overcoming that problem, but 
to have a run like they're having now defies explanation. Yeah, I was a little surprised that Reese Williams uh, didn't get subbed at some point in that match. I mean, the center back problem is real. Like, yeah. you know, and, and and obviously the knock-on effect there. I mean, we saw it with Man City last season, right? It's, yeah. you know, it's actually exactly the same situation where you, um, Fabinho is is doing what Fernandinho did last season, right? Like, Correct. Yeah. He's, he's fine, but then you don't have Fabinho and Fernandinho as your defensive midfielders, right? Yeah, like, right. And Fabinho, by the end of last season... Um, you know, kind of that, that, like that, like year run between winning the champions league and winning the league title. I mean, probably like the best defensive midfielder in the, maybe in the world. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, like top five, like he was amazing. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think, um, I think that, it, I think that is a big issue, but, um, Salah scoring twice. I, I have to say, I, I don't love the new version of Salo where he, um, scores and then scowls and doesn't celebrate. I'm like, mm-hmm. Like I've always yeah. thought he was such a joyous person and it's like, it cannot just be because like, does he really want out in the middle of a season? Like, it's like, like, cause he didn't get captained in a meaningless champions league tie or something. Like, I don't understand what's he going does, on. With him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the man, but through my television set, I feel that he's like a, seems like a prideful individual and yeah. he is already, he just feels like a guy who's already in his mind onto the next thing. And it's not, yeah. what's happening at Liverpool. I know. And I, I guess it's like, a, it's good to remember these guys are like 20, you know, like, I don't know. They're like, these are not like 55 year old, you know, like marketing directors or whatever who've like, you know, gone through the ringer career wise. You know, it's like, they're yeah. just like, he's like, he's a young guy, you know, he's won everything you can win basically at Liverpool. And he's also he's, getting a little turned. He's, he's from Egypt. He's not, you know, a young Liverpudlian like yeah. Steven Gerrard. He has, even though I'm sure Liverpool as a city have treated him as well as, as they could have. And I'm sure he loves the club and all that. Like he want he, he, he's playing, he's, he's a bit of a mercenary and he's, he yeah. wants, if he has goals as a professional, it's to go play for the top clubs wherever they may be, whether it's Spain or Italy or elsewhere in England. So I, I, I can imagine he's he's ready to challenge himself in new and different yeah. ways. He's already achieved everything that was set out for him at Liverpool. It wasn't this what Alex Ferguson always did, right? It was like he was just constantly moving, you know, yeah. I mean, outside of the kind of the, the, the absolute core players, it was just constantly mm-hmm. rotating these players around, right? You know, just like waiting until they're kind of sell by date. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that sell is like done by any means, but just the, like like if he's not all in then then sure. you know, maybe maybe he does have to get moved so what a grim thought i love salah i, I don't want him to leave but it's just, well know, maybe they replace yeah. him with uh somebody like mbappe you know just just as as you as the phrase you used earlier josh strength to strength there's no reason <laughs> yeah. why we can't do that <laughs> so yeah the uh, the kdb quest let's, let's take them separately uh the kdb question uh i think that that KDB to Gundawan is uh, a really easy move that is um, kind of getting like a little, like it's like one of those moves that like, be, like move from like good idea to cliche so quickly, like at least among the kind of FPL sphere where I'm spending most of my days that it's like, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like something so obvious that people start to like find ways to not do it, sure. you know, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but he's in the form of his, you know, career, um, at, 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 you know, Man City, at least he has been playing in the, uh, David Silva role, mm-hmm. uh, pretty like it, the only one has been able to do it 
consistently well this so far this season. Um, he is uh, on Pence, and they're about to play a bunch of bad teams. So mm-hmm. that that sounds very appealing to me. Um, and he's got three double digit returns all, all, so far in the season, and he is available for. Um, actually, he's got yeah, he's got three, and he's available for um, five point five million, and his ownership is six point five percent, and they're about to play West Brom. Like, not only do I want him in my team, I'm thinking about captaining him this game week. Wow. Uh, you know, like, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm not going to do it, but, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think, well, I, well, I will say to rested, you know, at the weekend. Yeah. Just to stop you right there in, in one of our mini leagues, somebody did captain Gundawan in game week 19 and let's see. So, and that was, that was a that was what 18 points doubled 36 yeah. points. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to scoff at that immediately, a little creative thinking and that can pay off for you. Yeah. I mean, low ownership player, uh, who's going to be asked to fill their creative midfield role for a good team. And they play West Brom, Sheffield United and Burnley in their next three. You know, there's just, there, even if you don't see him as like the player you want for the next 20 weeks, um, mm-hmm. he's, he's extremely appealing for the next three. And, it just opens up so much more money to spend around your team. And so, you know, the question, you know, so I, I think that that puts them over the, over the edge as far as uh, Gundogan versus uh, Sun is concerned. Um, you know, you could throw Foden in there as well. Um, but the problem with Foden is he, he has played a ton of minutes recently. So that does start to worry me a little bit. He's still, a, you know, it's not ever a given that he's going to start either. I mean, he only got 30 minutes in the, in the Crystal Palace match in the first you know, half of, of, um, of game week 19. I mean, he has looked so good, um, at times, but he is a little, um, inconsistent starter wise and he's more expensive than Gundogan. So I think, yeah. uh, there's just going is just like a really easy player, I think to, to solve a lot of your problems and they don't play Liverpool. Like, like Liverpool's defense may not be like the hottest, but like, would it shock you if they kept a clean sheet away to Spurs? It wouldn't shock me. No, certainly, certainly not. It was the uh, the the best team didn't win uh, situation with Jose Mourinho last time they met. Was it uh, was it a two one score line? Yeah, um, sometime like early December, right? I can't remember. A two one, yeah, two yeah, one Liverpool. Yeah. You had a goal from Firmino and Salah, and then Son scoring the lone Spurs goal. So I think that. Uh, Genoan versus Sun versus Foden. I that that's where I'm almost in my head. De Bruyne to Gundogan is uh is is just the a move I'm going to make this game week. Just, that's, yeah. That is what's one move that's going to happen. So then the question is, um, do I fix Vardy this week, or do I just make a move and just and just spend my transfer right now, bringing in a um a Man City defender, um and just and just go for it like kind of right away and. That feels there's something about leaving a 10, 10 million player on your bench for a game week that feels kind of silly. But yeah. and, and just to clarify the yeah. leaving him on your bench for a week, it's going to be at least two game weeks. Brendan Rodgers said that it was looking like 10 days, two weeks before Vardy would be back on the right. training pitch and, and ready to play. So if you right. flash forward to. Maybe if it if if there's like the Instagram training ground photo of Jamie Vardy with a smile on his face ahead of game week 22 where they play Fulham and you right. still happen to have Jamie Vardy. But so you, yeah. you're you're about to make the case of 
you shouldn't at that point still have him on your bench because that's just money rotting away. Well, it, it's more that I wouldn't make the move this week, right? So um, to I, I like I said before, it depends on your situation. If you have a Man City defender or two or whatever, um, I think that you know, fair enough. Just like burn four, take out Vardy, and we can talk about Vardy alternatives in a second. I just in my particular case, I think that I'm prioritizing a Man City defender over Vardy, and then I will transfer him out going into game week 21, right? Yeah. So that's all I mean is like it's it feels I weird to have a 10 saying. million player for even one game week, you know? And it's not <laughs> that I'm like planning to keep him through the hernia surgery or whatever. It's just that I don't know that burning eight really makes the most sense because I have a lot – I have plenty of players that I can play and start this game week. You know, so Josh, I could yeah. be in a situation in which I have a 5.1 million goalkeeper on my bench this week. So yeah. you don't talk yeah. to me about wasting money. Uh, 5.1 or <laughs> is that all that Mendy is? It's crazy that he's not uh, more expensive. It, it, it is kind of crazy. Bo, he's definitely, uh, is he performing up to a $5.1 million keeper? Unclear to me. Unclear. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. He looked that way at the start. He, he still looks good. I mean, but that, you know, the whole, I don't know, the Chelsea thing, that's like, I feel like we like have done a lot of pods where we just like go off target and start talking we, about Chelsea. It, it, luckily, Chelsea just isn't even a place that we need to go right now, though. <laughs> spare a thought for Timo Werner. We are chief members of the, we want Timo to succeed in the premier league. He has gotten yeah. – every chance he has gotten in the last month, he is absolutely blown yeah. in a yeah. monumental way, even totally. missing a pen at the end of that FA Cup match. I yeah. feel for you, man. I feel for he you. He might be – yeah, like he's going to get Lampard fired, you know? Like it's it's kind of – like it, it may not – you know, he may not improve until there's somebody new leading uh, Chelsea. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, so as far as forward alternatives to, to Vardy go, I think that uh, Kane is the obvious pick. Uh Obvious for multiple reasons. One, because he's been great all season. He's super consistent. Uh, he is a, if he's not the, you know, he has at the very least a perfect vice captain. He has a player that you can always vice captain a match because um, he just constantly plays, right? And he, yeah. like, he, like, is, you know, unless, he either gets severely injured or he plays. <laughs> like, he is never, like, he, he never has, like, a minor complaint that keeps him out for a while. So, yeah, uh, yeah and they also have, uh, uh, Spurs have a makeup match to to play still um home to Aston Villa. So they have, they have a yeah. weird fixture list coming up. So it's Liverpool yeah. as we've mentioned in 20 followed by Brighton away, fine. Chelsea, hmm. West Brom home in 23, pretty good. Followed right. by Manchester City. It's kind of like yeah. If you're with Spurs assets as I am, I currently have Kane and Son. You're we're going to have to ride a bit of a roller coaster for the next month or so and it could go it actually could go very well. I think Spurs have shown this season where they can get into a groove of form and score goals against the the best of opponents. So um, it's going to be a really interesting run here for Spurs assets. Yeah. I mean, you would think that uh, Chelsea might uh, might be a team that would play into their trap. Right. And like like, like give them opportunities to score counterattacking goals. I think the Liverpool, I mean, I mean, give me Kane against some of those Liverpool center backs. Right. Um, Brighton, obviously that's just, uh, they're just bad. So it doesn't really matter. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then West Brom, obviously too. I mean, I think West Brom have conceded the most goals from headers, uh, so far in the season. So, yeah. So then you're like, well, would you not bring in Kane because he's got Man City in game week 24, you know, like that's, that seems, <laughs> you know, way too far away. Yeah, so, right. so, 
So I think he's one player. I think that uh, Gabriel Jesus to me is just DOA. I wouldn't really consider him. Uh, what about uh, Antonio and going a little cheaper? Yeah. So that was my decision heading into 19. Do you go Antonio? But in, in, in weighing Mikel Antonio, I, I went back to Aston Villa and look at the fixtures coming up for Villa. Burnley, Southampton, West Ham, Arsenal, Brighton, Leicester, Leeds. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad. And yeah. it was interesting watching Watkins against Newcastle. He, he clearly understands that um, the... Uh, you've fallen into the Watkins trap, Brandon. I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. But, you, yeah. you know, he, he's kind of like forming for himself a really good debut season. But he is he, he kind of lost all of his momentum. And I think watching him against Newcastle, you could see a player who was just fighting to keep that form and keep that rep. So, I don't know. Do you... I'm reading these fixtures for Villa. They kind of, they're classic fixtures that look good on paper, but when you stop and think about them, are they actually good? Burnley, Southampton, West Ham, Arsenal, all these defenses aren't terrible. No, I don't think they're bad. Um, They're okay. Some of them are quite good. Some of them are quite good. You're right. None of them are great. Um, Villa, have a lot of creative midfielders. I mean, this is one thing we knew going into the season. They would have, they had midfielders. And then in fact, they have more good midfielders than we realized. Right. I think that, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, you want to talk about a differential. Uh, apparently, uh, Traore is going to keep, keep doing what he's doing all season. Right. I mean, there was sort of this <laughs> feeling that he was like yeah. a, uh, like a fill in spot player. Yeah. yeah. For Barclay. But then he's just been quite good. Uh, really beginning, yeah. Uh, around game week, I mean, you know, I don't even know. Like, you go back to he's the Mason Mount of Aston Villa, Josh. Yeah, he is. He's cheap and he is, he rarely gets you like a massive return, but uh, four goals and two assists. Barkley, I didn't think had a great match uh, in Newcastle. I thought he was a little slow on the ball. Well, I think, okay, so I don't, I don't want to dwell on Aston Villa for, for much longer, but I think the encouraging thing watching Barkley was he didn't have a great match, but he looked sharp and he was he looked confident. Like there were a few yeah. tricks and flicks that he was putting on where you're like, okay, Barkley, sure. Barkley, he's in the right place. You know, he showed up at the right match, and that's good. And if you think about Villa at their absolute peak at some point this season, it was when Grealish and Barkley were kind of doing their – their thing in full flow. So I think, I think I'm with you that the fact that Villa do have as creative and they had some depth in that midfield does offer a lot of opportunities to unlock Ollie Watkins. So that's fine. So, but then Antonio, I, it's going to be the way I viewed Antonio, I admit was incorrect because it is the classic Diego coast. Diego Costa has four yellow cards perspective. Right. I was like, right. And and it's kind of like Antonio is always on four yellow cards in that his hamstring is on four yellow cards. It could just pop at any moment, and that terrifies me. But yeah. that's just no – that's not really a way in which you can play a fantasy game. You have to take what's in front of you, and I think Antonio is just as good a pick as Ollie Watkins. Could you tell me, Josh, that he's a better pick than Watkins right now? Well, um, to be honest, if I uh... – if I could have one over the other, I, I would pick uh, Antonio over Watkins. Yeah, I would. I, th- I think that Antonio is a better player. I think he's a little more savvy. Um, I think that he's, 
a little more um, central to what West Ham do. I don't know that West Ham really have much of an attack without Antonio, whereas Watkins is just one of many players who can be involved in the uh, Aston Villa attack. So, I was so, just so freaked when they sold Sebastian Allaire, and I don't know why, because that kind of ensured that Antonio would play. But yeah. as you're saying, like, what is the West? What defines the West Ham attack? And yeah. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, I mean, I thought like Fornals was was decent too. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess they would just throw a midfielder up there if something happened in time. I mean, that's what they did with him, right? And it worked. Mm-hmm. So I guess sure. that would. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's a, the next question here is, uh, from FPL tips and he asked, uh, who are the best three forwards to have? What is the optimal forward line to have currently? And, you know, I, I, we're starting to answer this a little bit, but, uh, if I was just on a wild card right now, like, let's say we're, that you and I were wild carding going into gaming 20, who are the three forwards that you would want to have in a wild card going to gaming 20? It's a tough one because I feel like all of the key forwards are a bit out of form right now. So Bamford, I feel like Bamford is has got to be under well is under consideration. Yep. He's he's done well enough to his prices up to six point seven. And then if you're on Wildcard and don't already have him, that's a that's a price where you start to be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. But I do think the way Leeds play, if Leeds can kind of recover from their dip in form. It's got to be Bamford, yeah. Bamford, Antonio, and Kane, I guess, would be the three I'd go for. It's a weird like thing for them because I feel like they barely played in the last month. You know, they didn't have a match in game week, that, that half game week 18, you know, mm-hmm. and it feels like, uh, and then they had the, uh, their, their double canceled because of Shrewsbury. And so, um, yeah, it feels like they haven't really had a time. Like if, they're going to have a ton of matches to get their form back, and so I think it will be really, really interesting. I mean, away to Newcastle that that could that could do it. Um, away to Leicester, I'm not sure that that. I mean, I, I guess you'd probably expect them to blank in that one, although it, was, it could be mm-hmm. an interesting match. Um, I I think I'd still go for Bamford, um, especially if you, if you had him in your team already. I think that's that's a factor too because his price has risen so much. I mean, I think at six point seven million, maybe he's less appealing. You know, if you bought him at 5.8 or something like mm-hmm. that, I would, I would hold on to him uh, because they do have that double coming up and, and their fixtures, I, I don't think are, are too bad, but yeah, just straight up. If I was just, if I didn't have either one and I was just buying one, um, I, I really honestly would strongly consider Antonio uh, just because his, his price is so, is, is so much lower. And as I mentioned before, he's just so central to their attack and he on, and clearly is in good form. Right. I mean, he had, uh, you know, two goals and in, in two matches. Now, granted that was, you know, one of those was home to West Brom, but, um, I, I, he looked good. I mean, did you, you know, I assume you watched the, the West Ham, yeah. you know, West Brom match and I, he, you know, he had like led this incredible break too. And you know, nothing came from it in the end, but, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's too bad because he just really struggles to stay healthy. But, uh, and it's also like, I was annoyed that I didn't bring him in, but I find him impossible not to like, mm-hmm. he's just such a like, like he's just likable, you know, I when just, somebody I, does a yeah. backstroke as a goal celebration, you, you're going to like that player. There's, there's yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts about it. What yeah. have you heard these rumors about Danny Ings agitating at Southampton for a move? No, no, I hadn't seen that. I, okay. Then I, then I shouldn't perpetuate them. It sounded odd to me. Like he's, he seems like maybe he's really, uh, set on champions league football. And I think he recognizes that he's in the, over the last two seasons, he's in the form of his life and he can only stay this healthy for so long. Right. Um, but take the team that nurtured you and, and 
<laughs> and basically they, they got you into bail. that form but you know the the fixtures are the fixtures are okay for southampton and it does look like danny ings is healthy again i don't know yeah. he's, he's he's an interesting one we no. could go down the list of of forwards but which which we won't but ings does jump out to me at me as a sword that type of a sword pick right and ings yeah 6.9 percent ownership um so you know quite quite low. Um, and I assume that's even lower, um, honestly, among the top hundred care. So, um, and, uh, he is fully recovered from COVID played 80 plus minutes, uh, at the weekend. So I think that he's definitely, uh, I think that's a really interesting shout, especially for, yeah, like, like you said, more of a differential pick. Um, I think that, uh, it is really interesting, isn't it? Um, I guess I would just go Kane because of the consistency. I think that, um, he's worth the price because, uh, you just kind of know what you're going to get from him. Like you just are rarely going to get a long run of blanks from him because he'll just get a penalty or he'll, you know, assist somebody or he'll score in a corner or, you know, it's just like, there's just so many different ways for Kane to accrue points, especially when you factor in uh, how well he's passing this year. And so yeah. I think that, uh, I think at, the, at that price, um, I, I think he's worth it. I, I don't really go into the, like, I wouldn't pay X amount of dollars for a player. I wouldn't be consistently captaining. I, I don't, I just don't really, by that logic. Um, mm-hmm. I, what I'm looking for are consistent returns and I, I don't really think about whether I'm going to captain that player or not. Um, and Kane is about as consistent as it gets. And, um, he kind of was for years and years. And then just the last couple of years, he fell off a little bit. So, so I would, I would definitely go Kane and then, and then you're just in a, a sludge of players, right? Well, uh, did, how quickly we've forgotten about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's back. Right. He scored, uh, right. in the FA cup this weekend. James Rodriguez played, got two assists this weekend. Everton could be back, but, that is, you get you get into lots of ifs, ands, maybes, and there, that's why I would be hesitant to wildcard at this point, because you've got players like DCL and Ings who could come into form and be yeah. really key. Like DCL's ownership was at some point astronomically high. It's all the way right. back down to like 25%, still high, but yeah, uh, he, he could be a big, in there yes. Too. Totally. And, you know, he could be an advantage uh, if you hold on to your wild card there and move on those players that could come back into form in a month from now. And he has two matches to make up. Right. So if you bring in DCL now, not only do you get him for, uh, you know, like you said, you know, back scored today. Um, they've got a pretty good run coming up and then he has two matches to make up as well. So you're going to get doubles out of him too. I, it feels a little early to me to, to bring him in, but, um, it's part of the appeal of bringing in someone like Gundawan as that KDB replacement is, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually, you're, you're probably going to end up with a, a few million left in your bench, no matter who you bring in. So, uh, yeah, right. that's, you know, you know, he, he, maybe, maybe at some point you, you bring in an Ings or a Calvert-Lewin, um, you know, to, to maybe, maybe to replace Watkins. Like I, Watkins to me, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm just not sold. Um, this is the second time I've had him in my squad now. And I, I just find him a little frustrating. He, he, the decision-making feels like it's not quite there. He struggles to stay on side. Uh, you know, he should have had at yeah. least two goals against Newcastle. And I yeah. agree. He kind of, he, he personally fell short of where yeah. he should have been in that match. Yeah, and he it's like you said, he's like Shea Adams last year. He was better, like better than Adams was last year, but he's in that mode where yeah. you just kind of feel like 
he hasn't quite put it together yet. There's, there's no, you know, that's totally reasonable, but, uh, but it does make me, it, it turns me off him a little bit. Um, at his price, you can kind of put up with it, but I think if I had an extra 1.5 million or so, I would go for DCL or, or Ings just, just to get the, uh, the consistency. So we are agreed currently the optimal front line is Kane, Bamford and Antonio. Wow. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, when you put it that way, I'm almost like I should just do a four, four, two or something, you know, like that third spot doesn't feel like it's necessary. Uh, necessary. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just depends on what happens with, with, uh, Everton and Southampton, I guess. But yeah. Okay. So I think this is kind of plays into, uh, the next question we have from Jay Stallman wildcard advice yeah. and, uh, formation is something you have to consider when you're on a wild card. And, I think if you're anticipating some of these strikers we were just mentioning coming back from injury or COVID and getting into form, you don't want to put yourself in a Rian Brewster situation where you can't get a third striker if you want one or need one. So like the four, four, two, that, that one always frightens me. Yeah, you're right. Because that's, I think that's, that's what always throws me off the four, four, two is just that feeling of like, you really, if you're going to do the four four two, I feel like you have to just accept that uh, it's it's not going to be. It's more like a a semi permanent four three three, or, or I mean, a semi permanent four like a like a four four two that's going to shift into a four three three at times, right? Um, yeah. Sort of depending on whether Suchak or the player you've got um, has a better fixture, um, because I think. Um, yeah, and I think you also have to just commit to spending like six million on that spot, and so whether, <laughs> but maybe that's okay. Maybe it's fine. Like you know, if you've got Gundogan and uh, some Leeds players and some Aston Villa players, um, some West Ham players, like maybe you just have enough money that you can do that, and it's just yeah. like a mental thing you've got to get over. You know, like like you having a. Um, Mendy on your bench, you know, it's like, it's just a thing that happens that, yeah. that's there. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. Easiest, easiest wildcard advice for me is the starting point is two man city defenders. Yep. Do you want to get into the whole triple city defense argument? I, I don't, I don't find it to be super interesting. It's just kind of like, no. if you want to do it, do it. If you don't, don't. Yeah. It feels like a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I guess Cancelo would be the third player you'd have. Like, so you have to sweat every single lineup, <laughs> like praying that this is the match he starts. Like, it feels very stressful. Yeah, I mean, you, or you could do the most boring thing imaginable, like me, and put Ederson and goal. That's that's a workaround, right? Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. I mean, he's just he's so expensive, but I, maybe that is the way to the way to go. So, um, yeah, and so uh, other players on a wild card. I mean, I guess um, I would be looking at the at the the um the players have double game weeks uh, ahead still. Right. And mm-hmm. so Aston Villa have two. Um, and uh, so that makes it easy. I would definitely have, I, personally, I would have Grealish hundred percent on a wild card. Um, I think that. And Martinez for sure. And Martinez for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Two double game weeks to come and a bunch of easy fixtures in the next, not easy, but like fixtures where they should keep a handful of clean sheets in the next few matches. Uh, Everton. I think I would, uh, at least I would at least seriously consider DCL on a wild card. Um, you know, just, just, just as a, just to be a little bit different. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, what about like a Burnley defender? Are they, are we undervaluing them a little bit? They've got a game in hand at home to Fulham. Nick Pope has been uh, kind of back to being awesome again. Sure. Clean sheets. I've already mentioned Ederson and Martinez, two great goalkeepers, but then there's Nick Pope. But I'm yeah. just trying to, I, I feel like the way the money works with Burnley right now is if Charlie Taylor can get back fit or the, or you have the option of somebody like Loughton, yeah. I would just prefer the cheapest possible route into the Burnley defense, whether it's Pope or a fullback or a center back, just as cheap as you can get away with it in terms of guaranteeing starts. Yeah, I know. It's it's really a bummer that, that Taylor went off, and I, I feel like now I have to probably drop him. Um, you know, just sort of a – I'll always have his assist, Brandon. He got an assist uh, at You'll Wolves. Yeah, exactly. I got, I got one return out of him before he, before he got injured. Um, yeah, I think uh, – and then otherwise, I mean, we just talked about the ideal forward, so I think that we kind of answered that question. And then yeah. in the midfield, I think – the one thing I would think about in the midfield is I would, I would also – I would consider a uh, Man United double up with Fernandez and Rashford. I thought Rashford looked incredible today. And maybe he just needed a little bit of rest to, to, I don't know, get his energy back or something. Uh, he was he just played so beautifully uh, in this match. And I, I, I just think that, that maybe, maybe he'd be one to consider. Mohamed Salah, you're on a wild card. You're faced uh, with this decision. Yeah. This is, this is what, this is the defining moment of this week's episode, Josh. We're playing our imaginary wild cards, and we have to reveal to each other: did we or did we not put Mo Salah in our wild card? You know, I guess I would. Uh, I mean, it's just it just just because of that whole sword versus shield debate, um, and I don't know. I mean, for me, I just I'm just not ready to to give up on him. I mean, I should be. I, I don't know what it's gonna be twenty five blanks or something before it finally happens. But I think the brace that he scored yesterday. Shows, I don't know. I I don't like to drop players who just scored a brace. I don't care what match it was in. You know yeah. that that's just sort of um, usually a sign that their form is is going to come back. He actually almost had a hat trick too. Yeah. Uh, Dean Henderson was you know played pretty well in the match. So uh, I I Salah stays reluctantly. Uh, I certainly uh, would not consider Sadio Mane who who's really been in poor form. Yeah, I was following this thread on Reddit earlier today where they were talking about the idea of. Well, yeah, Salah is a season keeper and undroppable, but the way you play the fantasy game is you're meant to move assets in and out based on their form. You get Salah when he's in form, and then you drop him when he's out of form, and that's how you win FPL. But Salah is that type of player where it's it's it even though it's five blanks in a row it is still match by match week by week for him in terms of when he will or will not destroy you yeah. in fantasy and yep. the the idea that you can get you can jump on and off sala methodically and with any sort of um purpose i i just don't believe you can do that you can't yeah. predict it no and he just got his rest too you know so i think that he's kind of set for a while now, you know? Well, the, so, way, the, yeah. the concern I would have there with the rest game with him and him getting his rest is you're in a situation with Liverpool where is Salah not playing be, because of rest, because of fitness, or is it because of form or because Klopp actually needs to do something else with yeah. the team to get things going. Now, the the idea that Salah wouldn't have anything to 
to say about that, that he wouldn't actually yeah. be part of the plan on the pitch is kind of silly on right. his face. But I, don't know. I mean, I would take Salah's form over Firmino's and Sadio Mane's, you know, I mean, if, if anyone's going to get dropped for form, I'd say it's those two uh, who, are, who are more liable. I mean, the only forward who was really looking good this year was Jota. You know, and, yeah. uh, you know, Sal or Klopp played him in a dead rubber and he got a knee injury and it kind of <laughs> cost them the Premier League season, it seems like. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's yeah, I think we've covered I think we've gone all around on the wild card stuff. Uh, final question is from Salil. He says, uh, what are some of the things you consider when taking a point hit for an extra transfer? That's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. I guess I consider how long I want this player. The, the idea that you you spend a point hit just to get somebody in for one game week and you're relying on that points hit being paid back within one week. And yeah. I think that's the hardest one to pull off. So if you're thinking about spending points to get more transfers in, are these players that, yeah, you want around for the rest of the season or for the next month because you like the string of four or five fixtures, there's is a greater likelihood of them paying you back for that. So it's, it's kind of longevity for me is, is item number one, as far as points hits go. Yeah. I think longevity, I think uh, how I highly owned the players are like, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and just bring in somebody uh, who is uh, doing super well and you just don't have them in your team. And there's just no way to bring them in without without yeah. burning points. And I think, I think in those cases it's justified. I mean, it's like, it's always like how many times I, I know both of us have been in this position a bunch where there's someone who's doing incredibly well and, um, and you just like, can't figure out how to bring them into your team. And so they just kind of keep doing well and you just keep not having them. Yeah. And you're like, if I just burned four eight weeks ago, I'd be on 37 more points than I am yeah. right now. Yep. And that's a little bit where I am right now with my team where I am, considering a minus eight just just to like set myself up um and and solve all three of my problems right now and um i i don't think i'll ultimately do it and and the reason why is because i feel like i have enough quality defenders for this game week that i i'm just i'm just gonna take my chances and try to get away with uh with not having a defender i mean yeah like they could they could keep clean sheets in all of those matches. I like I that is a thing that could happen. But so could other players that that are not Man City defenders, you know. And so yeah. I, you know, there's this idea sometimes that you have to, like, you can get a clean sheet lots of different ways. You know, mm-hmm. like you have from different players that are just that are not just you know the right. player on, on Man City. So that's that's what's that's, most galling yeah. when you take a minus four is when you see that the player that you had before the minus four did just as well, if not better. Right. So. Right. One thing you do have to consider is, are you burning the points just because you want a player who you don't have? What about the player you're getting rid of? Like, is it a minus four becomes way more appealing to me when I know the player I'm getting rid of for a minus four has a red flag. They're definitely not playing yeah. or yeah. they don't have a fixture or whatever. Then fine, get rid of them. But yep. If there is any potential upside with the player that you're burning points to get rid of, I would say stop and consider the fact that you might be being a little impatient. Yeah, I think I yes, totally. And I I don't I t- typically will not remove a player for a minus 4. Uh I I'm I'm with you there. I cuz you know, especially a defender. I mean, this is kind of a classic rule and I 
I, you know, this this double game week for Man City was so insane. Uh, I mean, Diaz too, right? Finished on like 19 points or something or 17, whatever it was, 18. Um, that like it made it seem like, oh, well, like a minus four for a defender is just great because you're going to get a bunch of goals from them and you know clean sheets. And I, often you just, you you know, the best you get is two points, right? You get... Yeah. You get the uh, their six point return, and you get um, so, the, which I guess goes back to what you were saying about the long term. Like if if you just have a plan and you just want to be done thinking about bringing this player, and you don't want to have to, you, you don't like want to like you know blow your game week twenty two transfer because mm-hmm. you know like I have it and have it just earmarked for this player. You just want to be done with it now. Um, this is actually there was something I, I can't remember when I did it. There was some move earlier on this season where I, I, I didn't take a minus four, uh, and I I really should have because it was just like the beauty of taking the minus four is that it's just done, you know. And so it, like you just don't have to do it anymore. It's like it's minus four. You're going to score two thousand plus points this season. It is it is not going to. You will not win if very likely. You very likely will not win or lose a mini league based on how many points hits you took in, in a in a one game week, right? Um, so sometimes it is better, I think, just just to be done with it. And then you can just get on with other transfers later on. <laughs> There's that line in Fight Club where Ed Norton's character is talking about uh his couch and he's just like, I was in this mind frame of I needed to fill up my apartment with all this crap from Pottery Barn and that couch, like I knew no matter what happened at work or elsewhere, if it was bad or good, I just had that couch thing already taken care of and I didn't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what that's what we're talking about that's here. That's what Ruben Diaz is right now. He's just a really well-made couch. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> a sectional right. even. Yeah, Ruben Diaz is a sectional couch. I think that's well well phrased Brandon. And now we need our, our friend Danny Boyle, uh, who did a couple of great images, uh, with, with quotes this week, uh, to draw that up. And Brandon, that's the podcast again, game week 19 kicks off in like probably about 36 hours, uh, mm-hmm. from the time you're listening to this podcast, uh, depending on when you listen. So, uh, really fast turnaround time. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, try to, if you, if you make a transfer this week, Think about who Man City are playing. They're playing West Brom and really give serious consideration to bringing in a player from Man City for your transfer this week. Brandon, do you want to thank our producer patrons? Oh, my God. Yes. Every week we love to thank our producers. Big thanks to Trevor Ingerson, Mike DiPietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T., to Big Gaffer, Bob Coon, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Bidding, Dave Wegner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forberg, Skoging. Paul Herzig, Kaya Christine Lelang, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Mikey Uwang, Bruce Kerr, Nicholas Vernadakis, Sam Schauer, Will Husby, Rich Evans, Bobby Stiles, and the future media group FPL. If you want to become a producer or support the cheaters at any level, just visit us at patreon.com slash always cheating to find out how you can get more cool FPL content from me and Josh. And also don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the always cheating podcast, wherever you get your podcast, follow us on social media, wherever it is, get your social media, email us, hail cheaters at gmail.com. Visit our website for all this information and more that website, Josh, what is it? Always cheating.com. Uh, it's so easy to remember. It's the name <laughs> of the podcast with .com at the end of it. 
All right. Well, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, good luck at midweek. We'll be back with a Patreon podcast at midweek. Uh, and then we'll be back with a regular podcast next Sunday. We'll have three game weeks to digest on next Sunday's podcast, Brennan. That is kind of... Wait, no, just two. Just, just two. But, but still like two. Yeah, it feels like three. Two is still a lot. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Poku forever.